Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice Today FC podcast. I'm Josh Taylor, and for today's episode, I'm going to recap all the action from the one matchup in Week 18 in Nisa, and of course, all the matchups this past weekend in the Nisa Independent Cup Regional Finals. So that's going to be a fun conversation. Of course, I'll catch you up on the latest news around the league. And then for my final thoughts, I'm going to give you a preview of this weekend's matchups in another weekend of Nisa Independent Cup Regional Final matchups. So July is almost done, guys. We're about to get into August as we get down the stretch towards the conclusion of the 2022 Nisa season. So stay tuned. It's got a great show coming right up. Here we go. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Apologies for being a couple weeks in the delay since our last episode, which is right after a couple days after 4th of July. I've been very busy these past couple weeks, of course, working the home games with the Chicago Cubs. I've been also applying for jobs because my job with the Cubs is a seasonal role, so it will end in a couple months, and I need to find something to do during the fall and winter months up here in Chicago. So I do have an interview on Friday, so looking forward to that, and very excited. Now that I'm back in the action for Nisa Day FC, Let's recap briefly week 18. We only had a one matchup, Chattanooga FC taking on Syracuse Pulse. And Alex McGrath, he scored the lone goal in this matchup to get the win for Chattanooga FC. And they have now extended their unbeaten run to 10 matches. And that's eight wins and two draws during their run so far. And for Syracuse Pulse, still, their only wins this season have been against Flower City Union, and they have not managed to beat anybody else. And with everything that's going on in the league right now, which I'll get to that in the news segment, you know, Syracuse Pulse, they're a few points behind Maryland Bobcats FC. If they're going to get back in this race to try to get that final playoff spot. They need to start winning games. And they only have one more matchup against Flower City Union. And if that's all they get, that's definitely not going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. So they need to start winning games if they want to get past the Maryland Bobcats. They're definitely not catching Chattanooga FC. And I don't think they're going to catch the Michigan Stars. But that's is what happened in week 18 in Nisa. Now, let's go over this past weekend's matchups. In the Nisa Independent Cup, of course, we had the regional final. And let's start in the SoCal regional final. Albion, San Diego, they defeated Capo FC 3-1. to The star of this matchup was Mayele Malango. As he scored two goals in this matchup to help his team win the SoCal Regional Final. So, 
Very impressed with Albion San Diego and their performance there. I know Capo FC got a, a late goal, but it was too little too late at that point. You knew Albion San Diego was going to win that match. And I know Capo FC, they've been playing in Nisa Nation, the Southwest region. They have aspirations to go pro, possibly next year, 2024, who knows. But I know for Capo FC, this won't be the last time we'll see them. We will definitely see them again down the road, whether it's in Nisa Independent Cup or in Nisa Pro one day. Now, we also have another matchup out in California in the West Regional Final between the LA Force and Inland Empire Republic FC. And the LA Force shut out Inland Empire Republic 2-0. Chandler Hoffman scored the first goal of the match. He also had a, a penalty kick early in the second half, but it was saved but by the goalkeeper. But Hoffman was able to redeem himself in the 70th minute and was able to get his second goal for the force and LA Force, I wasn't sure how they were responding to this match because they haven't a lot of the yes, we know a lot of the West Coast teams haven't played in almost a month. So for the regional final, for a lot of them, this was gonna be their first matchup, with the exception of Cal United Strikers. They they took the whole month off. But uh LA Force and Albion and Cal United Strikers. And, uh, oh man, who, who am I missing right now off the top of my head? I can't remember who I'm missing now. But those teams are going to now, oh, Bay Cities, that's who I was missing. Get ready for the return of league play in NISA. And that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But yes, the LA Force did win that matchup, and they are the West Regional Champions. Now, let's go out east for a bit. Flower City Union taking on the two-time NISA Nation Northeast Champions, New Jersey Alliance. And Flower City Union won this game 2-0 after extra time. New Jersey Alliance, they gave up an own goal after being down 10 men and extra time and Flower City Union, hey, they'll take whatever grade they can get, right? Uh, we know they haven't won in a bit, but I know Flower City Union, those players, they play very hard for the badge and in front of their fans at home. And they showed up in this matchup. And Sunil Veracone, uh wow, gets a, a stellar goal to – add insurance for Flower City Union to seal the deal for them as they win the Northeast Regional Final. So congrats to Flower City Union. I know it's been a tough season for them in NISA so far, but they get their first trophy. So I'm sure Mark Washoe and the guys up there in Rochester are very happy about that. Now, let's... Head back out west in the Pacific Regional Final where we had a cup set when Natchi All-Stars FC defeated Bay Cities FC 1-0. Kamal Sabar, he was the lone goal scorer in this matchup in the first half. And 
that was all when actually all stars needed. Bay Cities, they had some chances in the second half, but were not able to convert in those chances. And like I mentioned, Bay Cities, another one of those West Coast teams that hasn't played matches in a while. Not sure if Rust or anything had played into that, but you know, these teams are starting to get ready for return to league play. And you know, when actually All Stars FC, they they brought it, brought their A game in this matchup and I give them credit for that. When actually all starts FC coming down from Washington State, but they got it done, and they are the Pacific Regional champions. So congrats to those guys. Now, the best game of the this past weekend was Chattanooga FC taking on Club de Leon FC, and this game, of course, was at Finley Stadium. If you're going to play a tournament game, no better place to do it than Finley Stadium. And Chattanooga FC, I would say they definitely got their money's worth in this matchup. I mean, Club De Leon FC, we knew going into this match, Club De Leon is a very good team. Out of Orlando, they were dominating through the Florida region and the Nisa Nation, and they definitely can score a lot of goals in this matchup. So I knew there was going to be goals in this matchup, but I was not expecting this match to be closer than the experts think. Definitely was expecting that, but a very entertaining game to say the least. Chattanooga FC took a lead early uh, by Colin Stripling getting that goal. And then a few minutes later, Club de Leon, they got an equalizer from Ignacio Lopez. And then, Marcus Nagelstad, he had a penalty kick opportunity to give Chattanooga FC the lead, but it was saved by goalkeeper Hector Melendez for Club de Leon FC. And minutes later, after that saved penalty kick, Club de Leon takes a 2-1 lead with a goal from Matteo Borelli. And wow, uh, Club de Leon leading over Chattanooga FC in the first half, and I'm sure the Chattanoogans were, were were nervous, but they pushed the boys in blue, kept them going, and as we saw, Marcus Nagelstad again shot from a free kick to score the goal to tie the match at 2-2 in the first half. And wow, that that goal was a beauty, man. That was an amazing goal by Marcus Nagelstad. He he does what he does. He scores goals for CFC. And throughout the second half, it was pretty even out between these two teams. But as we got close to the end of the match, we were going to have a breakthrough. And in the 82nd minute, Taylor Gray would come to save the day for Chattanooga FC as he buries his goal past Melendez and seals the win for Chattanooga FC 3-2. And Chattanooga FC, they win their third straight Southeast Regional Championship in the Nisa Independent Cup. So congrats to Chattanooga FC. And look, I got to give, you know, these amateur teams, you know, 
Wenatchee FC, Club de Leon FC. Hey, they, they lost, but they put up a great effort against Chattanooga FC. New Jersey Alliance put up a good run against Flower City Union, Inland Empire Republic, and Capo FC. You got to give these amateur teams a lot of credit. Uh, winning the round robin of the amateur uh, part of the Nisa Independent Cup to win that group and qualify to the regional final. So got to give those teams credit. And, you know, when you get a chance to face the pro side, it just brings that different feel, similar to what we see in the Open Cup. And I just love that competitive part of soccer. And we love to see that more often. More often, I think a lot of us would like to see that. Now that we finished up the recap, let's get into the news around NISA. All right, everyone, let's get into the news around NISA and see what's going on around the league. And we got some very interesting stories within the past week on what's been going on in NISA. Let's start with the big news that was announced on Tuesday. The league announced that Valley United FC has suspended operations for the remainder of the 2022 season due to the complexities and time involved with the current legal issues surrounding the club. Now, what also the league is going to do is all of Value United FC's points will be removed and the table will be adjusted to ensure sporting integrity. And as a result, no club has an advantage or disadvantage due to the situation. Value United FC status also means that Valley FC Raiders wins the Southwest Regional of the NISA Independent Cup. So with this change with the result because of Value United FC basically withdrawing from the league for their this season, Chattanooga FC leads to East still with 27 points. Michigan Stars FC is in second with 23 points. Maryland Bobcats FC is in third with 15 points. Syracuse Pulse is in fourth with 11 points. Flower City Union is in fifth with eight points. And in the West Division, we will now only have four teams competing. Cal United Strikers FC leads the way with 28 points. Bay Cities FC is in second with 15 points. Albion San Diego is in third with 12 points. And the LA Force is in fourth with 10 points. Now, look, guys, is this when teams go through something like this, this is never good. But for Value Night FC, man, I I do feel for the Vegabond supporters group. They support that club all the way and go to the games and support their team and everything. And in low division soccer, you don't want to see stuff like this. But for Valley United SC, this was their first year in the league. And remember, early in the season, they started off great and were looking good. But we didn't know until, I believe, a month after the season why that was the case. And they were committing roster violations. Uh, They broke immigration rules. And 
they also, because of that situation, had to fire their GM and their head coach. I mean, they resigned, but, you know, it's just crazy, crazy, that whole situation. And despite basically cleaning house because the, the players that were also involved were let go, they played, I believe, three matches after that whole situation, and then they went on a 30-day pause. And despite, you know, the investigation and everything, the team won't be able to finish the season. And that's that's disappointing. Uh, with the expansion team so far, guys, we, we've seen, you know, I would say mixed results. I'll get more into it about that a bit later. But it's just crazy with Valley United FC and all the stuff they, they did. And now they're not going to finish the season. And, you know, I don't know if this team is going to be back next year. Most teams that basically can't finish the season end up folding. And I hope I'm wrong with Valley Night FC's case, but it just doesn't look good. And Anissa, the last time we had a club to start the season but not finish the season, was the Philadelphia Fury back in 2019. They only played two matches, and then they stopped play, and then, as we know, they folded because the owner pulled out and the team had no funding to continue playing. So, you know, this is stuff we, we've seen in low division soccer, unfortunately, time and time again. But I hope that Valley Night FC will be able to come back from this in some form. Now, speaking of expansion, NISA, they announced a new club will be joining NISA next year. And this one kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I found out about it because the team had posted the announcement first, and then the next day the league did. So I wasn't sure. I'm like, is this for real? But no, we, we now know it's real. Gold Star FC ownership has been granted a NISA expansion team. And this team will play in the Metro Detroit area and is expected to begin play next year. Now, Gold Star FC Detroit, they that is what the team will be known as. They posted on the, the day they made the announcement on July 21st about that they are going to be in NISA. And they're talking about, we will be entering the American market aggressively, targeting dominance in the U.S. Open Cup. They, they, got, they kind of went all over the place in their, their press release. So I wasn't sure how to, to take it. But they talked about, you know, we're going to be aggressive. And they're talking about, we're going to build a, professional soccer Pacific Stadium in the state of Michigan. And they put in their press release, we're going to have the first professional soccer Pacific Stadium in the state of Michigan. And when I saw that, I was kind of like, do these guys forget that George Junkai also is building a soccer Pacific Stadium in the Mich within, uh, Washington Township, Michigan, uh, or Romeo, Michigan? I don't know. It's somewhere up in the northern part of Metro Detroit. But they already got the field. They got the field ready to go. 
you know, they got the little little small stands and people get lawn chairs or whatever. I mean, all George Junkai is going to need is, you know, get some concession stands, get some stands, you know, get some, you know, press box and stuff like that. And, and boom, I mean, they're pretty much good to go. I don't know if it's going to be 5,000 C. I don't think so. But uh, I know this team thinks they're going to have a 5,000 C stadium and it's going to have VIP suites and all these things. But my question is, is where are they going to put this stadium in the Metro Detroit area? I mean, before you even get a stadium built, you got to have a place to play, right? And I did see on Reddit someone suggested that Gold Star FC Detroit should play at Cass Technical High School, which is in downtown Detroit. It's like, I think, a few blocks from Ford Field. It's, it's not that far. It's pretty close to that area. And... I mean, that could be obviously a, a temporary place they can play, but they're going to have to find a place to, to build their stadium. And I'm like, where are they going to build this thing? Like near the Detroit Metro Airport? Or, you know, you you already got the Michigan Stars in the north part of Michigan, so you, you probably don't want to go out there. Um, you also got to look at other areas, you know? Like where, where would they go? You know, the Michigan Stars, they're – in Washington Township, Romeo, that part of uh, the Metro Detroit area. And it's not far from Auburn Hills. That's where the Detroit Pistons used to play um, before they moved downtown. They used to play at the uh, the Palace at Auburn Hills. Speaking of the Detroit Pistons, I know I'm getting a little off topic on here, but they did announce a couple days ago that they're going back to the teal color for the team and for the jerseys and that they're also going to go back to this retro logo from the 90s from the one they have like the horse with the, the fire on the, the back and it says pistons and then it has like the fiery exhaust pipe looking thing on the s's for the the name so I kind of, it made me thought, you know, Detroit, you know, going back to Teal, you know, I think of like Grant Hill because he was with the, the Pistons back in the 90s. And my dad, he's from Detroit, Michigan. So he's a diehard Detroit sports fan and, you know, born and raised in Detroit. And it's just crazy that they're going back to the previous logo after they kind of went to the old school Detroit Pistons logo, you know, Kind of remind me of the when they were the the bad boys Pistons from like the eighties and early nineties during the Jordan era, you know. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but I know I'm going off topic, but it got me thinking as far as soccer is concerned. Like, is there a team out there that you feel whether around the world that should go back to? I, the retro logo, like what it was before. What what team would that be and why? I'm going to post that on Twitter later today. And you guys just share your thoughts on what team you think should change their logo or go back to the retro logo. As far as Nisa is concerned, the only teams I'm aware of that have changed their logo were the new teams. So Valley Night FC, they changed their logo like right before the season started got rid of that little lion thing and went to like having the Arizona flag in their crest. And then of course, Syracuse Pulse, they've changed their logo like three different times. So I don't know 
if you would count the AC Syracuse Pulse logo as a retro logo. But those are the only ones that I'm aware of. Everybody else has pretty much kept the same logo. But anyway, let me get back to Gold Stars FC. Yeah, where they're going to build the stadium. Since you got Detroit City out in Hamtramck, and you got Michigan Stars FC up in the northern suburbs of Detroit, the only option that makes sense is the southwest. You know, they could look at maybe somewhere in Ann Arbor. I don't know, but I'm sure they can at least look out there so they can find something. You know, Allen Park, that's where the Detroit Lions, they have a training facility there. So maybe they can find something out there. Uh, Dearborn, Michigan, that's another option. I mean, to me, it just makes too much sense. Uh, okay, you got a team in the North, you got – Detroit City has their own, you know, fan base. And Golden Stars FC, they're going to have to maybe find their fan base. Whether that's going to be Detroit I'm, or the, the, the suburbs, I don't, I'm not sure. But to me, the only open area, at least that's not taken, would be the southwest suburbs of Detroit. Now, as I mentioned, the team is looking at that 5,000 seat stadium, but we'll keep you posted on that. What's also, what's also interesting about this ownership is that, you know, they also purchase uh, Santa Coloma, which plays the Andorian soccer league. So I wonder if there's going to be a connection there between that club and Gold Stars FC Detroit, as far as like a potential partnership down the road. So we'll see, but we'll keep you posted on the latest updates on that and see where it goes. Now, some other news that popped up on social media is I saw yesterday that the 90 Cities podcast, they tweeted about rumors about a plan in place for a merger between Fire City and Syracuse Pulse. Now, I was like, what? Like, what is going on here? Like, you know, Nisa's kind of gone off the rails with everything uh, this summer with all these rumors, man. It's almost like they've turned this thing into a, a version of Days of Our Lives instead of Days of Nisa. Like, you know, some new crazy story every day, you know, like uh, American soap opera. It's just one crazy thing after another. And in this case, they're talking about potential mercenaries to rivals, which I find crazy. Like, what would they call this team? The through a through a through a United FC? I, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, where is this team gonna play? How are you gonna get these fans to that hate each other, like support one team? It's, it's just crazy. Now, I did reach out to some sources to kind of get some information about this rumor. But as a recording of this podcast, I have not heard back. And I don't know what else I can think about it other than, well, it's just a rumor. So I'll have to toss it in the rumor mill for now. And, of course, if I get any updates on this part of that Nigel Sinisa podcast tweet about, I'll let you know. 
Now, the next story we got, this one's from protagonistsoccer.com. They posted an article about Bay City's FC. Now, in this article from Dan Vaughn, they talk about that they have some club sources within the club that are claiming that the team, uh, that the players have not been paid in two months. Uh, The front office hasn't been paid and that the players are considering going on strike. And I mean, look, this is stuff we've heard about in soccer. We, we heard about this most recently back with Syracuse Pulse with their previous ownership where we had heard from the Salt City supporters that back in April that the players were getting paid and that's why their games were getting moved and, or not moved, but postponed and all that until the league figured that whole situation out. Now, Dan Vaughn mentioned his article that he did speak with their head coach, Anders Perez, who's also uh, the owner and in charge of running the team. And he asked him about it. And Anders Perez said that, yes, that the, the players that, that we've been behind the payments, but it's been delayed and it's not been two months. And he also said that the investor funds have been slow to arrive. And once they get that, it will be taken care of in a few days. And that he also denied the claim that the front office were behind on payments or that they received an, a loan offer from Bob Freeland, who's the owner of LA Force, claiming that he would offer them like a $100,000 loan for a stake in ownership for that club. So Anders Perez, he has denied those rumors. The league is aware of the situation and working on that. So, yeah, this has been a tough week for Nisa, to say the least. And as I had mentioned earlier, with these expansion teams, it's 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 not looking good. Uh, as I mentioned, Value United FC and, and and their troubles, they're now not playing this the rest of the year. You got Flower City Union. You know, we, we talked to Mark Washoe last month. And on the field, that team has been struggling, you know, to get results, you know, get wins here and there. But off the field, they've been doing a good job of marketing, you know, brand awareness, getting their, their team out in the local media and getting involved in the community. And going even going to places like Batavia to play some games. So off the field, they're, they're doing good. But I don't know what's the long-term, you know, situation with Fire City Union with everything that's been going on. Uh, of course, when we talked to Mark Washer, he found he felt very confident that you know this is a learning curve for Fire City Union, you know, getting their feet wet and everything, and eventually, you know, they're going to learn and, and grow in future seasons. So hopefully that will be the case for Syracuse Pulse. Well, we already know about their history. They had issues with their previous ownership, uh, Samir Belsane. Of course, he refused to pay the players and all this stuff, and the league had to step in and, and, and find uh, ownership quickly to get Syracuse Pulse back on track. And from what we've seen so far this season, it's been a struggle for them. I mean, 
they've only beaten Flowers City Union, and they have not been able to get wins against other NISA teams so far. And they're dropping chances to try to stay in this playoff race to keep up with the Chattanooga FCs, the Michigan Stars, and the Maryland Bobcats. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Syracuse with all these rumors going around these days. Um, and then, of course, well, until to, until yesterday, Bay Cities was the only team that we didn't hear any drama about their situation or ownership or, you know, all these things. But as protagonist soccer and, and, and Dan Vaughn and his article alluded to, Bay Cities FC does have some issues as well. And look, I mean, all these teams are new, so I wouldn't say it's not ex- unexpected. I mean, I worked for Chicago House last year, and as in their expansion team, and you know, we've had you know issues, you know, financial and stuff like that too. It happens to every new team in the lower division of soccer, but to have it vary between so many of the the of the expansion teams is is crazy, and. I mean, like I said, Valley United FC, I don't know what the future is. Hopefully they can come back. Uh, Pulse and Fire City Union merging. Uh, I certainly hope that's not the case. I mean, that's a rivalry. I mean, two rivals merging, like, that's crazy. But, I mean, you see that stuff in Europe. But in America, it's, like, very rare. I mean, other than, of course, 1904 FC and Albion merging, that's it. <laughs> that's the only recent one I can think of. And of course, you know, base days FC, you know, dealing with their financial issues. But look, when you're based in the San Francisco Bay Area, I mean, look, that area is crazy expensive, crazy expensive. And you got to travel all over the place. Uh, I hope Nisa can find an, a few clubs out in that area to kind of help, you know, build rivalries out there. And, and, and you know, base days would have to travel, you know, all the places are just staying there in their region. Now, I know Nisa has the divisional format, but I hope they intend to keep that instead of going back to a single table. And I would hope that once Nisa gets enough teams in each division, East and West, that those teams only play each other in those divisions. And I mean, if they do a crossover game, it's like just once, just one crossover game with the other division. And, that's that's it. And that's just kind of my thinking how I would do things. But that's just me <laughs> and, and and my thoughts on the situation with the, the four expansion teams this year. But look at next year. At the moment, Nisa has three confirmed teams for next year. Oaks FC. But... Oaks FC, I have not heard any updates from them. I know they have a team in Nisa Nation. So they've been doing okay in Nisa Nation. When I checked their website, it says on their Oaks FC Pro website that they are going to be pro in like 2023, like 2023-2024. I'm like, what? So which one is it? Are you going next year or the year after? So that kind of threw me off a bit. They don't have anything on their coaching page, but the players that are listed, the players to me, they look, they're all from the Nisa Nation team. So we haven't got much from Oaks FC um, and their coaching situation in front office. I haven't heard anything. 
And then, of course, Gold Star FC Detroit, they were just announced. And Gold Star FC Detroit, they have eight months now to, you know, get the hit the ground running, you know, get hire staff and find a place to play and get a coach and all these things. I mean, that's a lot to do in eight months. And I, and then, uh, you know, we have Savannah Clovers. Savannah Clovers is the one team that we know are doing stuff. They, they took the season off. They took a year off to prepare to go pro. They have a coach. They got front office staff. They got a community and support and all that. And, you know, we had Brian Sykes on our show back in, in, in March, and we've been following what they've been up to. I think it's going to be a unique challenge for these teams next year. Because, I mean, my concern is, I mean, I certainly hope I'm wrong, but my concern is, you know, it could be deja vu <laughs> uh, again if, and I mean, I know Nisa has, you know, plans with teams that, you know, whoever reached out to them that are ready to go, like now, maybe 2024, 2025, but it's time to like kind of start building that roadmap. And I know they said they've been working on it. It just would be nice if, we just get a little more information on the, on, on, on the long-term plan. Uh, Nisa Nation, you know, doing good there, good things there. Hoping that continues to, to grow. So we will see what happens. Now, one more news thing to get to. Uh, Cal United, speaking of Oaks FC, they did play Oaks FC in a friendly uh, this week. And I don't know the results of that game, but... Cal United, you know, they've been on, on a break for a month, and now they're getting a couple friendly scrimmages in before they get back in action next month. So Cal United, you know, Chattanooga FC, these two teams are are on stellar form, unbeaten runs and X amount of games. And who knows, guys, who knows? This could be a potential final, playoff final, between Chattanooga FC and in Cal United Strikers FC. I might want to start considering maybe making a trip to the final on November 5th and, you know, check out this, you know, game and do some coverage, you know, stuff I used to do back in college and did a little bit with Chicago House. So something I'll look into. Something I'll look into for sure. All right, guys, let's get into my final. All right, everyone, enough Nisa drama. Let's get into my final thoughts for the show. And I want to give a quick shout out to the following Nisa Nation champions. Club de Leon FC, winners of the Florida Regional. Battleborn FC, winners of the Pacific Regional. New Jersey Alliance FC, winners of the Northeast Regional and also successfully defending their title from the fall season last year. So congrats to them. And of course, congrats to Capo FC for winning the Southwest Regional. So congrats to those four clubs for winning their respective regions in NISA Nation for the 2022 spring season. Uh, I felt it was a very exciting season in NISA Nation and Looking forward to see these clubs back. John the Rednauer mentioned in 
the recent press release for Nisa Nation that these four regions will be back for the fall season. And I'm sure we'll see some familiar faces, but we could also see some new clubs as well. So looking forward to covering Nisa Nation during the fall season. So that should be a lot of fun. Now, the U.S. Open Cup semifinals were last night. I stayed up late watching both games. And, of course, as you all know, I'm from Orlando. And I'm very happy that Orlando City SC defeated the New York Red Bulls. We were down 1-0 early in the – well, not early, but kind of late towards the first half. And then we got the equalizer just before the first half ended. And then we just took off and scored a bunch of goals in the second half. So we scored five unanswered goals to win, and now we're going to host the U.S. Open Cup final on September 7th. Now, if you guys don't know Orlando City, they were in USL and were very successful there. They won a championship before they moved up to MLS in 2015, and since they joined MLS, Orlando City has not had a lot of success. We didn't make the playoffs until Oscar Perea showed up. And since he's been there, we've made it to back-to-back playoffs. Still no MLS Cup to show for, but, hey, we have a winning team now. And we haven't won any trophies since we've been in MLS either. So now Orlando City will have an opportunity to win their first major trophy in their history and also have an opportunity to qualify for the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League. Now, standing in her way will be Sacramento Republic FC. Yes, the Cinderella story continues for this USL Championship side as they defeated Sporting Kansas City 5-4 on penalty kicks to advance to the final. And, wow, guys, I watched that game. It was an amazing game. All the fans there cheering their team on. What was funny was, if they didn't like a call, the ref was calling, they would show these uh, yellow cards. <laughs> it was hilarious. I love that. And uh, you can tell the, the Republic fans were getting into the game, and it was awesome to, to see that. And, look, Sacramento Republic, FC, they're not doing so well in USL Championship. But, hey, this, this is to them. This is their World Cup. They know that history is on the line for them as well. They're the first lower division side to make it to a U.S. Open Cup final since the Charleston Battery did it in 2008. Of course, the only lower division side to win the U.S. Open Cup was the Rochester Rhinos back in 1999. So that would be amazing, amazing to see if Sacramento Republic FC can pull it off. And, of course, they would also qualify for the CONCAP Champions League next year. So... That would be pretty interesting. But, hey, the, the, the USL Championship, they everyone's talking about stuff they're, they're going to do, and they've shown that they can go toe-to-toe in MLS. Uh, not maybe resource-wise, but at least with their clubs, uh, striving to get to that MLS level. So that that's pretty cool. And, look, when it comes to tournaments like this, you want to watch the Cinderella team win. That's what – People like to say so for me i mean look i want to see orlando city win but if sacramento republic fc wins that would be cool 
So either way, it's going to be a U.S. Open Cup history in the making. And can't wait to watch that on September 7th. Now let me quickly preview the NISA Independent Cup regional matchups. We got in the Great Lakes, Michigan Stars FC taking on Metro Louisville FC. Michigan Stars have done good form, but the Metro Louisville FC has also been on good form. And they've been winning in the UPSL in the Great Lakes Regional. They won that pretty handily to qualify for the regional final. And this match is going to be a toss-up, but Metro Louisville FC is going on the road. So I'm going to lean towards Metro Louisville FC getting the upset 2-1 to one against the Michigan Stars FC. All right, let's go to the Empire region. We got Syracuse Pulse taking on New York Braveheart SC. And this match is going to be played in Binghamton. I have no idea why. But Syracuse Pulse, like I mentioned earlier in the show, they've only been Fire City Union. They haven't done a lot better against other teams. So you think, okay, against Amberside, like New York Braveheart SC, they should win this one, right? But not so fast, my friends. New York Braveheart SC, they finished third in the Northeast Regional in Nisa Nation. And in their group in the Nisa Independent Cup, they beat out Allentown United and they beat out Lansdowne Yonkers FC. Two solid amateur sides to qualify for the final. So this matchup can go either way, but I'm going to go for the cup set here, another one, and give New York Braveheart SC a 1-0 win over Syracuse Pulse. And for our final matchup in the NISA Independent Cup Regional, we have the Mid-Atlantic between Maryland Bobcats FC hosting Nova FC. Now, in this matchup, it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw with Chattanooga FC and Club de Leon FC. It's going to be a very close game. And then you have Nova FC, one of the most successful amateur teams that we've seen so far and doing very well in the EPSL. So Nova FC... They're going to go for an upset, but I think it's going to be a close game and very entertaining game. There there could be a lot of goals in this one. And just for fun, why not? Let's go with a 4-3 score line for Maryland Bobcats. I think Maryland Bobcats do end up winning the Mid-Atlantic Regional. And that's it, guys. That is my predictions for this weekend's NISA Independent Cup Regional matchups. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging in there. But this will conclude today's episode. If you have any comments, feedback, or suggestions, you can direct message me on my Twitter page at JT underscore Taylor 88. And if you like the show, want to keep up with all the latest updates, you can follow us on our social media pages. We're on Facebook at Nisa Today FC. We're also on Twitter at Nisa underscore Today FC. And we're also on Instagram at Nisa underscore today FC. I hope you guys enjoy all the matchups this weekend. Nisa Extra Time will be back next week. You guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. 
and I'll see you next time.